Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Well, what's up, y'all? Welcome into another edition of the DNBR Rams podcast, presented as always by America's top-rated sportsbook app. Download the DraftKings sportsbook app today. Use the promo code DNBR when you sign up. All right, y'all, it is Sunday night. I just finished re-watching the men's game. Obviously, a really challenging loss in Laramie. A game of two halves. The inconsistency from this group is very, very maddening. I'm going to get into that and a bunch of other takeaways momentarily. Real quick, though, I am going to do a brief intro on the NFL divisional round. I went 4-0 on my picks, but it was kind of a boring slate. I guess the Jaguars-Chiefs game got kind of interesting after Mahomes got injured. We'll see what happens there. If you listen to the podcast, I've been pretty high on the Chiefs now for a couple of months. Not that that was some impressive call by me. I mean, betting on the team with the best quarterback or one of the best quarterbacks, Joe Burrow, is in that conversation as well now, especially if he ends up finding a way to beat Mahomes again in Kansas City. I mean, at the end of the day, you can have all the arm talent in the world, and I think Mahomes is clearly the most physically gifted quarterback on the planet, but the outcomes do have to matter, and if Burrow goes into Arrowhead again and finds a way to lead this team to victory, it's at least an interesting conversation. I still have a lot of faith in Mahomes and those Chiefs playmakers. I'm not panicking or anything like that, but a high ankle sprain can be pretty nasty, so we'll see what Mahomes is like. I do think the mobility and the ability to extend the play is a, a big part of what makes him so lethal. So we'll see there. Should be a really fun slate of football games next weekend. In my opinion, the best four teams at this stage of the season are competing for the Super Bowl or a chance to make the Super Bowl, and that's how it should be. The two things that I just briefly wanted to get into, though, after watching the NFL divisional round are this. Does anybody know what a catch truly is? Because I cover football for a living. I watch just a stupid amount of of football in a week. And when they go review a catch, I feel like I get it wrong about half the time. It has gotten a little more predictable in a sense where if the ball moves at all, you know, they're probably going to overturn it. But to me, even with instant replay, it still feels like a crapshoot. Which brings me to my other comment, which is just that instant replay as a whole is overrated. I understand the desire to get the call correct. And when something is egregious, we have the technology. We should be taking advantage of this. I like that they're doing more uh, stuff from you know a headquarters and not having to have the refs go and, and look in a camera. Like We can just have somebody relay it into them what the correct call is. But to me, we just review so many inconsequential things. And basketball is way worse. It's so much worse. But it just destroys the pace of play. Half the time with replay, it feels like they don't end up making the right decision anyways, at least based on 
you know, how everybody seems to react to the calls. I guess I'm just conflicted because I, I understand the desire of wanting to get everything 100% correct. There's so much at stake with these games, but that's not happening with replay anyways. There's still a ton of confusion as I, you know, let in here with the what is a catch. And quite honestly, there's just a large part of me that has always been able to accept human error as a part of the game. Sometimes there's going to be blown calls and when it favors your team, you're going to feel great about that and you're going to be absolutely furious when it goes the other way. That's a part of sports. I remember growing up, Todd Helton playing first base for the Rockies. His foot was like two feet off the bag and the umpire just blew it and called the runner out. And guess what? By the next inning, everyone had pretty much gotten over it. But between the excessive replay and the insane amount of media timeouts, which is the, the bigger problem, these broadcasts are just so long. I love football. I love it. Have no problem spending an entire day watching it. But some of these NFL games pushing four plus hours, some of these college games that can flirt with five hours at a time, it's just too much. I don't know. Maybe I'm just a dinosaur. I hate streaming. I prefer cable. <laughs> but I honestly believe it would be a more enjoyable viewing experience if we didn't have to stop for every little thing to look at it. All right, I said it. That's my two cents. I'll get off my uh, my chair here, my soapbox, whatever, and I'll move on talk about CSU hoops. Real quick, the NFL playoff action continues. We're one step closer to Super Bowl 57. And for the NFL divisional round, I hope you got your bets in with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, because they were giving out a sick promo. All you had to do was bet $5, and you're going to get $200 in free bets instantly. Plus, new and existing customers got their shot at an even bigger payout with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. What that is is a chance to boost your winnings with each leg you add up to 100%. For instance, you know maybe you take the quarterback rushing total, somebody to score a touchdown, the over, boom, all of a sudden you've got yourself a nice little bet. And the more legs you add to that, the more dramatically you're going to get to increase that odds boost. It really is a lot of fun. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Use the code DNVR. New customers can bet $5 on the NFL Divisional Round. Get $200 in free bets instantly only at DraftKings Sportsbook with the code DNVR. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Cool, cool, cool. Let's get right on into it. CSU men's basketball fell 58-57 to to Wyoming up in Laramie. It's been a really tough year for the Cowboys. This was actually their first Mountain West win of the season. And early on, it looked like it was going to be a blowout. CSU trailed by 14 at halftime. They trailed by as much as 16 in the game. Really just looked out of sorts from the get-go and kind of lifeless, which was weird for a rivalry game. It just didn't seem like they were in it at all. And I kind of teased this at the, the beginning of the podcast, but the inconsistency from this group is just really frustrating and confusing. Because coming off of one of the better 90-minute stretches between UNLV and San Diego State, and it wasn't perfect. You know, there were definitely some big mistakes down the stretch in that San Diego State loss as well. But coming off of those games, it just felt like the Rams were turning the corner competitively. And then they come out and play one of their worst halves of basketball all season. One of the worst halves of basketball we've seen by a CSU team in the Medved era. I mean, poor defense. Wyoming was kind of getting whatever they wanted offensively offensively the Rams couldn't do anything part of that was was really how hard Wyoming was playing defensively and I do want to give them credit to an extent but there was there was just no movement I mean it was really stagnant a lot of sloppy passes and Wyoming was able to take advantage of every single one of those mistakes 
There were a few plays where a CSU player would just dribble into traffic with no plan, and then that would result into a transition opportunity the other way. Miss layups. I mean, Patrick Cartier had like four or five missed layups down low. He's He's got the best field goal percentage in the entire Mountain West. That guy does not miss down low. His footwork, his touch, his positioning, it's always so solid. And, and they were all good looks. They just didn't fall. Just kind of felt like the Rams couldn't do anything right in those first 20 minutes. The open shots they had didn't fall. The 12 turnovers they had was more than they typically average in a game. Just an all-around bad performance. And to CSU's credit, coming out of the second half, you could feel the energy shift. Offensively, they were playing with much more intent, much more movement, crisper passes, better decision-making. Defensively, they were a lot more active, engaged. The switches were better. The shot contests were better. And even though it took a while to make a, a dent into that deficit, you could just feel like they were a different team out of that break. They forced three turnovers in the first three minutes. Actually, four in the first four minutes because then Isaiah Stevens followed it up by drawing a charge on Ethan Anderson. And slowly but surely, you could just sort of feel that momentum start to shift. I mean, Katie Wingy, and by the way, shout out to Katie Wingy and Jenny Kavnar, first ever all-female broadcast in CSU men's basketball history. They were awesome. I wish they could have every single game on FS1. And I'm not just saying that because I know Jenny Kavnar and, and she's a CSU legend either. Their insight, their level of preparation, it was awesome. Katie Wingy breaking down some of the stuff that both of these teams tend to do, especially when I was watching the game again tonight. I was just like, man... These two are rock stars. They're killing it. I really wish we could have more games with them, and I hope we get more down the line. But, you know, like five or six minutes into that second half, I think Katie made a comment about how the Rams were coming back. And at that point, it was still an 11-point game. You know, they'd really only barely cut into that halftime deficit that they had of 14 points. But basically around that 13-minute mark or so is when the game really started to shift. The Rams responded with a 15-0 run to give themselves their first lead since 1-0. During that stretch, they held Wyoming scoreless for seven and a half minutes. There was a stretch where Wyoming missed 10 straight field goals. They were 1 of 11 from the floor. Basically appeared to be dead in the water. I mean, after the way that their season has gone, and they've lost some tight ones where they essentially did exactly this. They, they had a lead and, and collapsed and then just could never recover. But to their credit, they survived the run. It was a gut punch for sure. CSU stunned them, knocked the wind out of them, whatever, however you want to say it. But truly, Wyoming deserves a, a ton of credit for that because in that situation, after everything that that team has been through this year, I think most groups would have folded. I just don't think they would have been able to pull it out. But to me, the most significant stretch in this game was actually, you know, that around the six-minute mark to about three-ish minutes because over that stretch Wyoming really responded well they had a little run of their own went back up four to which CSU responded with a 7-0 run and unfortunately after going up 57-54 with a couple of free throws from John Tanjay with 233 to go you know the Rams couldn't score again and, and it just kind of ran out of gas to me though it, I just feel like that stretch after the Rams had gone on the 15-0 run to be able to bounce back and just kind of find their footing again, that was huge. Because as bad as that stretch was, and a 15-0 run is rough if you're the team allowing it, they didn't let it compound and, and go down multiple possessions or anything like that. They really kept their composure. And to me, that's the sign of a, a well-coached basketball team. 
And I know that it's been a really tough year for Wyoming. It's been a really tough year for CSU as well. But some of the reactions that I see from both fan bases are just kind of crazy. Because I promise you, these are two of the best basketball coaches in the country, especially as you know, far as like non-major jobs go. And I just think it's been a fluky year for both of these teams. They've had some really unfortunate timing with injuries. They've had some wonky situations as far as uh, roster continuity goes. Really, I mean, the long-term vision for both of these teams was for this to be their year. I mean, if, if CSU could have had Roddy come back with Isaiah, everything, you know, work out the plan. If you're Wyoming, if, if EK comes back, obviously the preseason conference player of the year, if Maldonado doesn't have those issues. It didn't work out that way, and these teams have largely disappointed. Certainly not trying to say that they're above criticism or that the fans are, are wrong for being frustrated or anything like that, because they should. I mean, they, they had high expectations for a reason, and neither team has lived up to those expectations, but let's all understand the context of the situations as well. And let's also recognize that the Mountain West Conference is a really deep league. There's a lot of talented teams in here. You can't just be average or good and make a run in the Mountain West. You have to be a great team. And right now, this Rams team, they're not a great team. They have talent. They can certainly be competitive. We've seen it in, in multiple stretches, even entire games. For whatever reason, they've played particularly poor in the local games, whether Northern Colorado, Air Force, CU, or, or now Wyoming. And naturally, those are going to hold a little bit more weight in the hearts of the fans, which makes sense. I get it. So you're going to focus more on that than you will, you know, the UNLV win or St. Mary's, that type of stuff. Again, I really am not trying to tell anybody that they should not be frustrated or disappointed with the way that this season has gone to this point. They clearly have not lived up to expectations. They've blown some games. There have been some really, really frustrating moments, no doubt. But also, some of the comments I've seen whether it's I've lost total faith in this program or I Medved just can't recruit, that's ludicrous. First of all, it's been frustrating and it's been bad, but we're not San Jose State in the 2000s winning like single-digit games, getting the absolute shit kicked out of them you know, every single night. Yeah, they've lost three of the last four. Two of them went to overtime. The other was a one-point loss on the road. And as far as recruiting goes, that's just an incorrect statement. I mean, Jalen Lake is a terrific basketball player. Isaiah Rivera, really impactful basketball player. Cartier making the jump from D2 to D1 has been one of the most efficient scorers in the entire conference. Did they find another David Roddy? No, but they're not going to anytime soon either. They don't just grow on trees. Guys with multiple Big Ten offers that are going to choose you over that come develop and then become a first-round pick in three years. Those guys don't grow on trees. And as I've explained about a hundred times, the timing of his decision made it hard as well. The staff supported him as they should and allowed him to take as long as he needed. You know, obviously they would have loved for him to come back. He ended up making the right decision for him and it worked out and that was great, but it made it hard to replace him at that stage of the recruiting calendar. And finally, the entire reason that we had these sky high expectations is because of what Medved and this staff has been able to accomplish, what they've been able to build here. We're less than a year removed from having the highest NCAA tournament seed in program history. Back-to-back -back seasons tying the record for most conference wins in a season. Yes, they didn't win the conference, but this is a really good league. You're not going to pull a Gonzaga in the Mountain West and win 30 games every single year and just dominate the field. This conference is too deep. 
And the fact that programs like San Diego State even have rough stretches, it, it proves that. I mean, if you look at from 2015 through 2019, 2020, they only went to one NCAA tournament. Now, they should have gotten to go to two in that stretch because 2020 didn't happen. But still, that's three out of four years in which they didn't qualify. If San Diego State had gotten overreactionary and decided to make a change after the Aztecs went 21-13 and 13 and missed the tournament in 2018-19, they'd be feeling pretty stupid right now. Good coaches and good programs at this level, it, it's probably harder to make the NCAA tournament every single year than at any other level because you're going to get the benefit of the doubt in the ACC. Yeah, you're playing elite talent at the top, but if you even go 500, they're going to give you the benefit and the doubt and you're going to get in. You don't get that in the, in the Mountain West. There are years where the Mountain West is much better than the Pac-12 and it gets treated like it's the WCC and it's just not. I promise I'll move on here because I feel like I'm going in circles with some of this stuff. But my main point here is just that the grass is not greener. And if you're coming away with some hot takes regarding like the future of this program under this coach or anything like that, I just I could not disagree with you more. And frankly, I would tell Wyoming fans the exact same thing. You better appreciate what you have because I promise you are going to miss him when he is gone. And I still don't think Ram fans truly appreciate enough the gravity of what Nico Medved has accomplished over these last five years, the dumpster fire that he inherited and what he is able to build out of those ashes is, is truly unreal. Anyways, let's move on. Let's talk about that final sequence, the debatable foul. Let's give some player takeaways, talk about Isaiah Stevens making history. But the most rewarding thing about DNVR is seeing the connections made through our listeners in this community. Green Mountain Dental is an OG partner of ours and major Colorado sports fans. They've been a supporter of DNVR since the very beginning. We've had countless fans and our own staff even convert to Green Mountain Dental and never look back. Located just 15 minutes from downtown Denver in Lakewood, CSU alum Dr. Ben and his team have you covered from general dentistry like regular cleanings, orthodontics such as removing those pesky wisdom teeth and everything in between. Plus, Green Mountain Dental has some sweet offers for the DNVR fam. If you tell the team that DNVR Sports sent you, you can get a $300 discount for a full orthodontics treatment if you're a new patient. If you mention DNVR Sports, you can get a free set of bleach trays, a $350 value with a new patient cleaning ex uh, exam and x-rays. Lastly, if you are a hygienist out there, Green Mountain Dental is hiring. Full and part-time positions are available. They're willing to work with your schedule as well as offering great benefits package with healthcare and PTO. To make an appointment or find out more information, check out their website, greenmountaindentalgroup.com today. All right, we ended up going on a little bit longer of a tangent than I anticipated. But after going up three with 2.33 to play, John Tanjay makes a couple of clutch free throws. By the way, he had a stretch there for about six minutes where he turned into Miami Heat LeBron James, blocking shots at the rim, throwing down one-handed dunks, uh, explosive layups through the lane. I mean, he, he really provided a spark there and kept CSU in it late. I felt like Tanjay got absolutely shoved in the back on the, the series before CSU ultimately got called for what ended up being the game-losing foul, I guess you could say. I, I feel awful for Jalen Lake. To me, Reynolds initiated a lot of that contact. Lake did get him a little bit with the left arm. I didn't feel like he impacted the drive. That's just my opinion. And after swallowing the whistle on, on John's drive the other way, I just don't really understand how you then follow it up by making... 
uh, that call in that moment. It looks like Lake got all basketball until uh, the body contact gets him in the chest and his arms come down. That's what's going to happen. I had a couple of Ram fans arguing in my mentions about like his arms weren't completely vertical. Yes, you put them up in the beginning, but being vertical is more about jumping straight up and not jumping out and into the guy that's driving. If your arms are straight up and then you get hit in the chest by something coming at you full speed, your arms are going to come down a little bit though. If you don't understand what I'm saying, put your arms straight in the air, have your chest exposed, and then have your significant other, your partner, your wife, whatever, punch you in the chest. Do your arms drop a little bit? They probably will if she hits you hard enough. Lake had good position. He was making a play on the ball. Yes, there's some contact, but there's always going to be some contact. And to me, it's just a shame that this game was decided by the officials in the end. CSU dug their own grave. Don't get me wrong. Like, I'm not trying to come on here and be like, if it wasn't for that, you know, then then they win. Who knows what happens after that? If he misses it, you go to overtime. Who knows? But that comeback effort, you know, it was just kind of a deflating way for it to end, kind of anticlimactic. I'll say it again. The Rams dug their own grave with how poorly that they played in the first half as, as poor of a 20-minute stretch as we've seen CSU play under Nico Medved. If you don't go down 14 at, at the half, you don't have to make the dramatic comeback and, you know, who knows how the game plays out. I just thought it was a, a poor call at the end. That's my opinion. You're not ever going to get that call in a conference tournament game or an NCAA tournament game. That's my two cents. As far as the numbers go, Isaiah Stevens became the program's all-time leader in assists, surpassed Ryan Yoder with his 531st in his career. Uh, That number is obviously going to keep growing. He is top four in scoring as well now. He led the Rams in scoring 15 points, rebounding with 10, and also assists with seven. Has now flirted with recording the program's first-ever triple-double on a couple of different instances. I really hope we see him do it before his career is over. Not sure when that's going to be. We'll have to see if he decides to use that fifth year of eligibility. If he does, I genuinely think he's going to certify himself as the greatest in program history, and it really won't be debatable because most of his records are going to be damn tough to to top at that point. Uh, But besides him, Patrick Cartier had 13 points. John Tanjay, 12 points, had a really electric stretch on both ends in that second half really came alive. You know, he's got a ton of talent and the Rams rely on him heavily. He's also really streaky. And the CSU team as a whole is just streaky when it comes to offensive output. Their numbers are are pretty good as a whole on the season, but it kind of feels like all year long, they've just been one of those teams where they miss 10 threes in a row and then they make 10 threes in a row and then they miss nine of 10 and then they hit 14 of 15 and it, it all evens out in the end. But really Jekyll and Hyde, just very, very streaky. And you never really know who's going to show up. It's kind of just the story of the season for this Rams team is, you know, which group is it going to be on on any given night? Overall, I felt like it was a pretty poor day for the bench. I do like that Tavy was able to play 16 minutes and only pick up one foul. And I like that he still plays hard on defense, even if he's not, you know, getting a ton of touches offensively. That's the, the sign of a mature player. Baylor Hebb only played one minute, came in and picked up a turnover and got called for a technical. That might honestly even be more impressive than Mark Titus's infamous club trillion where you play one minute and have zeros across the the stat sheet. You have the one personal foul, one turnover, 
and it was a technical foul, so the other team got free throws on the ball for it. And don't get me wrong, I'm not trying to throw Baylor under the bus here or anything like that. It's just a funny stat sheet or funny stat line to to see on paper. Um, you know, I, I don't think he should be playing a lot of minutes other than when it's absolutely necessary due to foul trouble or, or an injury scenario. I just think that Joe Palmer and, and Tavy Jackson are going to more consistently impact the floor in a positive way. But if you look at the the playing time over the last 10 games or so, the staff agrees. I mean, you know, Tavy's playing way more. Joe's getting more playing time. And it, it helps that Isaiah is to a point where he can pick up his typical production. You know, it starts with a minute restriction, but, you know, he played 45 minutes, I think, the other night in the San Diego State game. Maybe it was 44. He played another 39 tonight. I think we'll kind of see the the rotation lock down a little bit, especially as we get towards March. I mean, at this point, your only opportunity at making the NCAA tournament or, you know, probably even any type of postseason appearance would be with a, a run in the Mountain West tournament. Been a frustrating season to this point. There's no doubt. Really, that's all you can say. I think a week off is here at a much needed time for this group. So we'll see if this Rams team can respond on the road against Boise State. Um, Going to be interesting. I've got some big live shows coming up that I will post about on Twitter throughout the week. I'm going to do a show live from uh, Breckenridge Brewery. I think we're going to have Jay Norvell uh, live in studio again here shortly. So a lot of cool stuff coming up. I will keep you up to date with all of that. I will have all kinds of hoops coverage. You name it, you know, NCAA tournament, spring ball, all that fun stuff. Shout out to everybody. I hope you're staying warm out there. It looks like we're going to get hit with another uh, snowstorm. Much love to you guys. Peace. Khakis wearing graphic tees, feeling way too trendy. Raps that kill. Oh, I'm deadly. Primed and ready like machetes at a deli in New Delhi. Feeling scummy like Martin Scarelli. Turn jam into jelly, then drink it like juice. The water's the truth, so I sip on that too. Skinny looking kid with no car keys. Like the only thing I drive is RCRV. He's got the stash like Steve Harvey. Oh, I'm gnarly.